Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for study this Sunday is our gospel today. Luke 3 verses 1 to 6 is printed in the bulletin. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I've been thinking a lot lately about how my experience of Christmas, the celebration, has changed from my childhood and teenage years now that I'm a young adult. There are uh, lots of contributing factors, more of a focus on the spiritual meaning of the holiday, differences in how our culture deals with Christmas, uh, disgust with all the commercialization, and so on. But the greatest reason is responsibilities. I have a lot more of them now. In my youth, Christmas was a fantastic holiday. I was off from school, of course, and until my older teen years, didn't really have any shopping to do. The days leading up to Christmas were full of anticipation, especially once wrapped presents began appearing under the tree. I could sit on the couch in the living room, listen to Christmas music on the stereo, look at the sparkling tree, and and look forward to the thrill of opening my gifts on Christmas Eve. It was exciting, but it was also peaceful. All those wonderful things were happening without me having to worry at all about making them happen. And then, of course, there was Christmas Day fabulous feast for the family, finished off with a large sampling of the large selection of Christmas cookies that my mom had spent weeks baking. It was a perfectly peaceful celebration of the holiday, but not for my mom, of course. She did the shopping and the wrapping and the cleaning and the decorating. She baked the cookies and cooked the meal and called us to eat and made sure we all got to church on time and just generally kept everything running smoothly to make sure that Christmas was everything it was supposed to be. Of course, I hardly appreciated all she did at the time, and I'm ashamed now to remember all the times that we would get impatient and tell her to quit messing with cleaning up the kitchen, Mom, and and get in here so we can start opening presents. Mom was happy to do it all, but I doubt she ever would have described her Christmases as peaceful. She just had too many responsibilities. But all of her preparations meant that her family could have a peaceful Christmas. She had arranged everything and done everything so that my siblings and I could just sit back and enjoy the warmth and wonder of it all. We see the same thing on a much greater and infinitely deeper scale with God's plans for the first Christmas. He arranged everything and did everything so that you and I and all the world could have perfection. And the story of John the Baptist's call and message shows us the same thing, that peace comes when there's preparation, which is something vividly illustrated by the details with which Luke begins our reading from Luke 2. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, 
While Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Of course, someone today might read all that and think something like, well, what a load of useless information. I don't know any of those guys. But whether you are historically literate, disinterested, or ignorant, all those details make two very important points. The first is that everything Luke is writing about actually happened. They're not just myth or legend, but true events that are fixed at specific times and places in history. By giving this information, Luke was, in effect, inviting anyone who might be skeptical of his account to go and check it out for himself. Any investigator would find that the evangelist got all his facts right, and therefore his message, the one about Jesus and salvation, his message needed to be taken seriously. The second point that Luke's historical details make is that God is at work in history, ruling over rulers and moving men and women where he wants them when he wants them there. Just as we learn in the Christmas story of Luke 2 that Augustus ordered a census that was the tool that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so that Jesus would be born in the town of David just as the prophet Micah had foretold. So here we see the Lord arranging things so that his prophet John would be in exactly the right place at exactly the right time under exactly the right rulers when it was time for him to begin speaking the word of God to God's people. And since that word was one that pointed to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of all the world, All this shaping and shaking of persons and events was the Lord making the preparations that would bring peace to the world. And he had just the right man for the job in John. Well, of course he did, since he chose and called him even before he was miraculously conceived in his mother Elizabeth's womb. But we can call all of these preparations miraculous because they were all exercises of God's divine power and because none of them were things that you or I or any other human being, no matter how powerful, could ever have arranged. We have the ability to make and carry out plans, yes, of course, And a sinner might even have some desire to make peace with the mighty God that he is so grievously offended. But none of us, none of us has the power to save our own self. And even less do we have the power to to call down a Savior from heaven or send him to the cross as our sacrifice and substitute. The preparations that needed to be made to bring us peace could only have been made by a God who loved and cared for sinners enough to save them. And that 
peace could only come about by that gracious and merciful Lord choosing to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. As sinners, we were by nature under God's wrath and hostile to Him and His will. Only He could and would make the first move, and only He could make all the other moves necessary to remove our sins, to make us holy, and to reconcile all the world to Himself in Christ. But that doesn't mean that there were no preparations at all for people to make. Preaching those actions and those changes, the taking of spiritual responsibility, was the primary purpose of John's preaching and ministry. He went into the whole region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Just as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. Only prepared hearts would be able to enjoy the peace that Christ and His sacrifice on the cross would bring them, because an unprepared heart has no room for God's grace and is inhospitable to Jesus. And a prepared heart is necessarily a repentant one. The image that the verses quoted from Isaiah convey, while prophesying John's ministry, presents him as the Messiah King's advance man, traveling ahead where the king would be going, telling people to remove the roadblocks and rough spots from their hearts. The Baptist's message is that sinful men and women need to be prepared for the Lord's coming. Not just His physical coming as Jesus of Nazareth, but also His spiritual advent as the judge or Savior of their souls. And so John the Baptist preached repentance and faith, even baptism. And so we want to get to work on all of those rough spots, detours, and potholes in our lives. Take a good look at yourself in the light of God's law. What things or people have you exalted above the Lord whom alone you should fear, love, and trust? What is there in your thinking or speaking that fails to give Him all the honor He is due, or that dishonors His servants on earth? What activities have you prioritized over the opportunities God has given you to serve your neighbors and His church? Whom have you hated or hurt, cheated or insulted or lusted after? Whatever sins there are in our lives, we are called on to repent of them to turn to the Lord in sorrow that we have disobeyed Him, and then to trust Him for forgiveness. Forgiveness won for us by the Lamb of God John pointed to, to Jesus, who sacrificed Himself on the cross as payment for our sins and rose again to guarantee us eternal life. When we have prepared our hearts through repentance, then we can receive 
and enjoy the peace that Christ gained for us with his victories over sin, death, and the devil. Because then there is nothing in the way. No offenses remain between us and God. Imagine if I, as a child, had spread my, <coughs> my Legos all over the living room floor and refused to clean them up before Christmas. I would have had no peace from my parents. There would have been no place for the tree, and surely then there would have been no presence. But owning my offenses and disobediences and removing everything that was in the way would have opened the door for all the good things that my parents wanted me to have and enjoy. And God, our Father, wants us to have and enjoy peace. And he wants all people to be members of his family and to receive his gifts in his word, in baptism, in blessing after blessing. That's why he made all of the painstaking preparations he did. Preparations which culminated in the birth of Jesus, his son in Bethlehem, when the time had fully come. And also in John's calling in the wilderness and baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which came exactly when God's plan said it should. So we seek and pray and work to heed his call, just as those Jews by the Jordan did. We prepare our hearts with repentance and faith for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And we know that what he will give us is peace. The perfect peace that comes when every sin and offense between us and God is gone, and in their place are only love and holiness. That is what Jesus did for us with his cross and empty tomb. And this is what we so gladly take hold of every day. Remember how Martin Luther taught us in the small catechism to remember the meaning of our baptisms. Baptism means that the old Adam in us should be drowned by daily contrition and repentance, that all its evil deeds and desires be put to death. It also means that a new person should daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. That is the peace that comes with God's preparation. May he grant this gift of peace to all of us this Advent and throughout the year. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.